Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast. My name is Eli Hoff and I'm the Mizzou sports beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. I'm joined once again by my colleague, Ben Fredrickson, one of our fantastic columnists. Ben, how are you doing on this pre-Bragging Rights, pre-holiday afternoon? Doing good, man. Doing good. Hope everybody's got their uh, holiday shopping more or less squared away. But I'll be honest, I feel like most people don't. I think it's the odd placement of the holiday. And Christmas falls at, a, I think it's Monday, right? So it's going to be... Uh, there's going to be some wars to be fought out there. I want everybody to practice sound fundamentals when you're crowding into those parking lots. I want you to be, uh, I want you to have your elbows out and your pivot feet strong. And uh, look, you just got to want to own the space. You got to not take no for an answer. If you're fighting over the last ham or, you know, Nerf gun for the kid, you got to be aggressive. And uh, I, I want people to, uh, to have the right mindset if they're going to go out and wage these battles here late in Christmas shopping season. It's, it's the low man who always wins. It's That's like right. going back to elementary school football. Just lower the shoulder, aim, you know, put your nose where the ball is. If you want the Nerf gun, put your nose where the Nerf gun is and just grab it. Rip it away. Rip it away. Low man uh, wins. And it's something that uh, maybe some, uh, some uh, maybe a very notable Mizzou football transfer offensive lineman uh, could, can speak into existence for the Tigers and, and be an example of, man, this is a, this is a great introduction for you covering the Mizzou beat you've had not that you haven't had a great introduction already you've covered a heck of a football season basketball seasons well underway but the mashup of bragging rights weekend and preparing for the cotton bowl and oh by the way here is national signing day um yeah you're you're in the thick of it man how are you doing is, is the better question you know, I'm I'm ready. I'm going to have like, I think I've got three or four days off coming up after the Cotton Bowl where I'm going to stay in Texas with my girlfriend's family and, and and take all of that in. And I'm excited for it because everybody else I keep hearing about, oh, it's kind of slow this time of year. Oh, it's kind of slow this time of year. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I canceled all my meetings this week. That doesn't exist in this job. <laughs> this could be the slowest point of the year. But no, we've got Cotton Bowl stuff coming. We've got basketball stuff heating up. We've got, you know, signing day transfer portal. There's There's always something to write about here. I feel like there's like four or five more stories I should be doing on any given day with just everything that's happening. But you're, you're right to pinpoint Caden Green as one of them. That, that's a move that I don't think is is maybe one that Mizzou fans are used to seeing where this team just all of a sudden goes out and gets the number one offensive tackle in the transfer portal who's a former in-state guy who they lost before. I, I know you're excited about the move, so I'll let you talk about it a little more. But it's an exciting time of year for all of this to be happening. Yeah, I think we – and. I- I'm, I've kind of given up on writing about like national signing day, the thing, because it's, it's no longer the thing. There's multiple signing days. Guys can sign paper scholarship agreements way early. I don't know. It seems like it's a lot of ways that the national signing day has been overshadowed by transfer portal Palooza. It, I was watching sec network on signing day and I'm like, they're still doing this. Like they're ranking each team's, um, you know, high school recruiting classes 
as okay Eli Drinkwitz has the you know the 12th class in the SEC or whatever it was and I'm like but that doesn't take into account the fact that he's gone out and got a transfer from Clemson for the defensive secondary it doesn't take into account that he's gone out and gotten multiple offensive linemen one of which came from Oklahoma that he's gotten a running back from who's who's logged a ton of miles playing for a pretty dang good football program at, at one level below I mean those things aren't even factored into the rankings at all and those guys are going to have more impact on the upcoming season probably than most freshman albeit unless you're a very very talented one um, but even if you are you're probably not going to make as much of a difference as an impact transfer who has played at a high level in college so these idea of ranking these classes on national sign day I'm a kind of I'm kind of over it but I do think in terms of recruiting cycle there's a lot to talk about with Mizzou um, Eli Drinkwitz has done some things here in this recruiting cycle that make you go whoa um, let's start at the guy he kept Williams Winery. there was so much talk Eli about well he's gonna he's gonna flip and he maybe he commits but he's going to he's gonna wind up at Oklahoma well he doesn't he signs there's no drama about it meanwhile Eli Drinkwitz poaches a a player from Oklahoma a, a true freshman offensive lineman who started seven games for the Sooners played guard can play tackle didn't give up a sack huge for an offensive line Mizzou needs he gets the top ranked corner at one of both of these guys the the kid from Oklahoma and Toriano Pride they're St. Louis guys that passed on Mizzou the first time around now they're coming back and saying yeah no I, I want to redo it they've got eligibility left the kid from Oklahoma's got three years left and had played a bunch last season and then all of a sudden there's some high school recruits jumping in four stars out of texas you're, you're pulling the best players out of tennessee and arkansas eli drinkwitz has uh the sec going what the heck's going on at mizzou and all the meanwhile all the other fans are saying well mizzou's cheating when, when, when they're saying that that's good for your program because it means that you're ticking off people off and you're getting players people don't think you should have there's no cheating left in, in any college sports um nil is is basically as long as you can justify it through nil you're fine and all these coaches are doing it mizzou is is doing things in the transfer portal and in the prep scene that I think bode really, really well, better than what Eli Drinkwitz's class ranking for this national signing day is going to look like. Well, it's it's really wild watching what Drinkwitz is doing in the transfer portal, because if we if we view this as college sports free agency, which, again, I don't know how much I, I really like that metaphor, but I guess that's kind of what it is. What Drinkwitz is doing is something that I don't think you see GMs in any sport with any franchise really do, which is go out and have a very clear list of, here are the players we need or the positions we need players at and let's just go get them in, in college sports. You think it should be even harder because there's more competition of one Mizzou, even after a great season is still one of the smaller fish in the big pond. That is the sec. You've got all these other power five programs out there, even though I guess from this point forward, it's really not power five anymore. Now that we're, we're starting to look at 2024, but he's, he's going out and he's doing this and he's pinpointing guys. Like we, we've talked about Toriano pride, the, uh, the cornerback from Clemson who played at East, East St. Louis, that he went into the portal with a no-contact tag. Caden Green, I, I, the only schools that I think he was really seriously linked with were Mizzou and Oregon, and, and that was kind of a surprise entry to the portal, that this isn't as if Mizzou's even having to win bidding wars against a lot of people. They're going into this with a, a clear list of guys, a clear list of positions they want, and they're clearly making the same sort of shortlist for those players too, 
that it takes some of the drama out of this that even with the Caden green news you know there's a little bit of fun teasing of his announcement and stuff but it, it didn't feel particularly dramatic it didn't feel like mizzou was particularly at risk with this and i think that's remarkable with what eli drinkwitz is doing is that it's not just that he's got mizzou competing with other schools because that would be a step in the right direction it's that he's got mizzou just outright winning just outright beating some of these schools and that goes for for the freshman recruitment too with guys like williams whenever you can you know make of whatever color gloves he wears on a given <laughs> day for whatever that's just that that age is more and more silly silly is that a, is that an adverb it just it looks sillier so. Yeah. yeah, that's the technical term. It just it, it looks sillier and sillier as this goes by. Uh, and, and the metaphor Drinkwitz used today when he was telling us about the recruits, he called Winery an oak. And I think that's, you know, the kid's 6'6", six, six, like 240 already. So I think that's a, a good physical metaphor. Uh, but also, he, he wasn't wavering. You forget sometimes with all of the Twitter rumors and what various people around players are saying that, you know, some of these kids just want to lock in and be done with this, that not everybody wants the media spectacle and a bidding war and all of this stuff. And and it seems like Mizzou is also going after those kids in particular and going and getting them. It's just, it, Drinkwitz is playing this the right way right now. Yeah, I think it speaks to how Drinkwitz and his staff are recruiting. I think it also speaks to how far Mizzou's NIL game has come. Um, it wasn't that long ago where Mizzou was kind of looking at the NIL world and saying, how, where do we fit into this? And credit to Eli Drinkwitz, man. He really rallied the troops on, on NIL. He, I heard him here in St. Louis multiple times in recent months saying, if you want your team to have these players, he said, if you love me, if you hate me, whatever, as the coach, if you want your team to win and they got to have players and the way to get players in this era is to be competitive in NIL, I, I think he's been smart in sounding that cry. I think he's been as important as anybody in pushing Missouri to have an aggressive NIL law through its state legislature that the Tigers are now taking advantage of. I think he's also been a good steward of the resources of the NIL opportunities that Mizzou have. The coaches are involved in this now. That's totally allowed. And you basically, you mentioned GM, and that's kind of the role of, of the head coach is you – got to decide where do you spend your resources and where do you allocate them? And, and, and these things are, are shaping teams for better or worse. I think he's a, he's been on the right side of the transfer portal. You're seeing guys now, I mean, you throw in the, the pass rusher, Darius Smith coming in out of Georgia reportedly. Um, look at some of the programs that these guys are coming to Mizzou from Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma. It doesn't mean they're all going to work, and it clearly, if they were superstars there and established, maybe they wouldn't be leaving. But those guys don't recruit bad players. They may have guys who are playing above them. They may have guys, they may not be a great fit, but they don't recruit bad players. These are not guys transferring up saying, I'm going to make it out of Rice. I'm going to prove I can ball out of Tulsa. But these are guys coming from the elite of the elite recruiting programs in the, in the country going, I'm going to go play at Mizzou. And that's to me a really interesting spot for Mizzou to live in because they can say, you're going to go, you have a chance to play in the college football playoff here. Here they are in the cotton bowl against Ohio state, but you're also not going to sit and wait for your chance behind two guys who are going to go play in the NFL before you get your shot. And, and I think you're going to see teams like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, have a harder time keeping guys stacked up on their three deep that could be playing elsewhere. And if Mizzou's targeting guys like that, really smart.
because there are good players who aren't playing a ton at these places. And you can get to the NFL just fine playing against Georgia as well as you can playing for them. And, and I think they're targeting some smart, smart people in the portal um, in terms of target wise. So that's, that to me is crazy that the national signing day conversation hasn't evolved in that, you know, drink what's kidding talk about these transfers today, the press conference. He can't say anything about these guys. Um, most of them. So it's like, what are we doing? But uh, I know they're excited about a lot of the freshmen they have too. They've got that, that running back out of Texas, a kind of, uh, you know, top 200 running back in the, in the country. Um, maybe one of the top 10 running backs in, in, in the state, uh, Texas, those guys, it's really rare for Mizzou to get a player out of Texas that schools in Texas want. And that's not a knock on the guys they get out of Texas. Like Sean Weatherspoon was a diamond in the rough out of Texas. It was an all-time Mizzou great. But if you're getting guys from Texas to turn overlook Texas schools to come, if you're getting guys to come out of Arkansas and uh, and, and Tennessee over overlooking the volunteers to come, then then your name's pretty hot in the recruiting in the recruiting circles right now. It is. It is, and to your point about the recruiting rankings too. There's also an element to all of this of some of these college coaches. Some of their wins and, and recruiting wins are frankly getting guys to stick around, whether that's keeping them out of the portal or keeping them out of the NFL. I think of a guy like Theo Weiss who who hasn't made his decision, but if if he comes back next, I year, thought he did make his decision on Luther Burden's well, uh, Instagram he, Live. Was he, that not official? Did. No, Is that well, not that an was, official source. It, it turns out Instagram oh. Lives in the immediate aftermath of a win are not binding contracts. Oh, uh, the, the general only might pass verbal, that this year. They're about as good as a verbal commitment. Yeah. <laughs> But so you you look at a guy like him, and and if he comes back again, that's a recruiting win for Eli Drinkwitz. If he comes back next year and decides that he wants to to run it back again with Mizzou, again you won't you won't see that pop up in any set of recruiting rankings. But but that's a win. I also think it's what's happening this offseason is a testament to what Drinkwitz has built in terms of kind of a multi year roster construction that he can pitch what Mizzou has right now and say, well, look, you can come back and you can play with a guy like Luther Burden. You can play with a guy like Brady Cook. You can play with some of these defensive playmakers and slot in alongside that, that he's not pitching having to entirely replace talent. He's saying, come in and, and fill these holes. He's got testaments of guys like Darius Robinson, who sticks around for a while and is, is going to probably go on to be an NFL guy here. Can take a guy like Cody Schrader. You know, those stories, those anecdotes, I think matter in this. The other thing that I think is just really fun with the guys who are coming in is there's there's just going to be, you can tell there's going to be fun competitions already and there's just fun physical archetypes coming in uh the the pass rusher Darius smith from georgia who, who committed on wednesday he's six five williams Winery is six six these guys who are going to be edge rushers mizzou's tallest d lineman this year was i think darius robinson who's who's six five too and so they're bringing in some of these just guys who are going to be fun physical i hate to use the word freaks because it has a bad connotation but they're just these crazy athletes who are going to be running around that's going to be fun to watch. There's going to be fun competitions where I think some of these freshmen will slot in right away. That's a guy like Kawan Lacey, the, the running back you were talking about from Texas, who's he's ranked as the number six running back in this class. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's coming in with a chance to be getting carries come next season. That doesn't mean he necessarily will. Tavoris Jones, Jamal Roberts are still there. Marcus Carroll, the transfer from Georgia State is coming in. There will be a lot of guys competing for touches there, but there's – there's opportunities and some of, you know, some of these recruits, of course, are, are coming in and, and they'll be deaf players. They got to find roles, all of that. But there's also some who, who you see some pretty clear paths to to getting regular snaps if they if they can live up to that standard. 
Yeah, I mean, Marcus Carroll, we got to, he should be mentioned specifically. He has, he has a lot of good, solid production at a, at a program that knows a little something about winning. Don't be surprised if he comes in there and, and is a, has a pretty formidable role for this team, very experienced running back who had to look at what Cody Schrader was doing and go, okay, I want to go do a little bit of that. Um, now, the, the one thing that could have gone better for Mizzou on signing day that didn't go their way was uh, Ryan Wingo. Sticks with his commitment to Texas, apparently, reportedly, uh, supposedly, hearsayly. Maybe that's not a word. There were late conversations with Mizzou before he reaffirmed his commitment to Texas. Look, he was going to shop the best deal till he got to, to, to where he had to make a decision. Um, his dad said as much as soon as he committed to Texas that they were still kind of open for business. There have been times in uh, years past where if this decision didn't flip to Mizzou on the day of that, it would be a very downcast Mizzou fan base. They would feel like, oh, if you can't get that guy, who can you get? If you can't get the best player in the state, you'll never be good. Well, they've, they Luther Burden's doing pretty good at Mizzou. And, and these other guys, transfer portal, incoming freshmen, I, I don't want to say Mizzou fans are like, uh, I don't want to give like the sour grapes excuse of them being like, well, they don't care. I mean, no, they would have liked to have Ryan Wingo. He's a really good player. And, and you wish him the best at Texas. I don't feel like Mizzou's skipping a beat. The fact that they weren't able to flip Ryan Wingo, I still feel like they, they feel like they had a really good day. Oh, I think so. And, and part of that is because I don't, I don't think, you know, Mizzou may have come back into the picture here, but I don't think this was a situation where as soon as Ryan Wingo committed to Texas, Mizzou started doubling down on their efforts to go and get him here. It, it sounds like if you if you believe the hearsay and believe the reports that this was something that picked back up in the last couple of weeks where, where you know, again, this is this is maybe reading between the lines too much, but it's a little bit that Mizzou went out and got some other guys and said, oh, you know, maybe maybe we get back to, to Ryan Wingo and see what he's thinking these days. And, and it, it it's not much of a loss they have. They have um, they have Courtney Crutchfield, the the four star wide receiver from Arkansas, went out and got him. He committed yesterday. Uh, th- that's M- Mizzou. You know, not to say a player like Ryan Wingo won't help whatever team he he plays for wouldn't help this Mizzou team, won't help the Texas team, but it, it's not necessarily a, a just gaping void in in the Mizzou offense right here. And it's also a situation where I'm sure I'm sure they might be able to have a conversation with Ryan Wingo around this time next year. Yeah. Hey, go have your growing pains at Texas and then uh, and then come back and ball out as a sophomore. I mean, I joke, but Eli Drinkwitz has done it now with Toriano Pride. He's done it with Caden Green. This guy's smart. He's not going to he's not going to go insult Ryan Wingo. He's not going to go insult his family. He's going to say, hey, best of luck. Um, If you if you ever want to change, you've got my number and. Maybe maybe something to to keep tabs on, and, and this is the same kind of exactly what people said about Williams Winery. Well, will he stay? Luther Burden. Well, will he stay? Well, they're not leaving. Luther Burden hasn't mentioned the portal one time, and he's doing as much recruiting probably for the for this team as Eli Drinkwitz is. If if Missouri is able to build off of this season, I think it's becoming more and more optimistic that they can, based off how this recruiting momentum is rolling and the pieces they're adding there'll be a really good story to do for you two seasons from now about how Luther burden was the, the tent pole of this resurgence along with Eli and all the good things he's done. Um, Luther burden committing, staying committed, showing the world what can be done in NIL at Mizzou and also recruiting his friends and former competitors to want to be around him. I, I think Luther I don't know what he's making. Nobody does. He's got every NIL deal under the sun. I don't know if he, he's not making the most NIL money. He may have the most NIL deals, though. He may have the most in terms of most active NIL deals. 
And whatever he's getting paid for Mizzou is worth every penny because of what he's doing to to make this team better. Guys want to play with him. Guys want to to see to be a part of, of what he's doing at Mizzou. And and I think there's a contagiousness uh, to what Missouri has going on right now. No, there is. There is. Uh, what's what's uh, what's not been so contagious uh, has been winning results for the men's basketball. Oh, team. man, what a pivot. Speaking of pivot, yeah, pivot feet. Yeah, that's I, I played at the right foot. Seton, in the post Hall, there. Seton Hall just scored again as you uh, Seton Hall just dunked again as you said that. Well, and they uh, and the team that was shooting twenty eight point nine percent from three going into the game mm. just probably maybe had another three. Yeah, yeah, that was a a bleak one. Mizzou men lose ninety three eighty seven and they return to Kansas City first time there since twenty nineteen. Uh, that game, uh, one I had a lot of fun there personally. We had courtside seats. The reporters did. So that was a blast. It, taking in basketball from courtside is just—it's an entirely different game. There, I'm excited to get to do it again for for bragging rights here. Um, so that's that's my very selfish plug of of why I enjoyed the game as an unbiased observer. Uh, but Seton Hall looked incredibly good, and I, I don't want to frame this every as a team. Knock on them. Missouri plays half court defense against looks incredibly good. Eli, there's a trend here. If they're not turning the ball, if they're not creating turnovers with their pressure and their press, and they actually have to actually defend in the half court, the team looks good. That's, that's what's going on here. I mean, they, they're not defending either. They can't or won't defend in the half court. I mean, it, it, and they fall behind and then they think, well, heck we'll just pressure. And then it works because they can do that. But golly, man, over aggressive and passing lanes, just, just, too gimmicky at times and they they can't settle down and sit their tails down and defend and they 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 had some of this last year but they were so good at disruption and they were so good at getting those deflections and steals and pressure and tip balls and getting out on the run and turning that into offense they just can't do it as well this year and i think that teams that can just settle down and take a breath are realizing that you get really good looks against this defense right now no, you do. And, and with Seton Hall, it was interesting because looking at the scouting report coming in, they were a team that just likes to get in the paint, likes to get to the rim. And and so that's difficult for Mizzou to stop because they still haven't figured out exactly what they want to do as far as the big man rotation goes. They don't really have a great rim protector. Aiden Shaw can kind of do it. Trent Pierce can kind of do it. Connor Vanover can't really do it. Connor uh Jordan Butler sort of can do it, but but there isn't anyone defined there who's going to go get those stops. And so, of course, Seton Hall plays well there, but Mizzou to try to stop them at the rim was rotating the guards down into the paint to help so much, which again, this is no knock on Nick Honor, but he's not the guy who's going to stop the 6'10 center in the post. He just isn't. He's a foot shorter. He's not going to be able to do it. So instead, bringing him down just opens up a kick out for three. And, and that's what Seton Hall did over and over and over. And, and I mean, Mizzou did fine scoring because the, the Pirates weren't anything to write home about on defense, but the recipe just isn't there with this team at this point in time. And and even some of the, the transition looks that were happening last year, I was, so this is going to be my, my shameless plug for a story that will come out later this week. I had a, a about a half hour sit down with Dennis Gates earlier today in his office. And we talked all sorts of things basketball-wise. It's going to be a really good uh, bit of insight into, into how he's viewing this team and how he's viewing just moving forward with this with this group right now. But one of the things I sort of asked him about was why the transition looks haven't been there for this Mizzou team like they were last year. Because it seems like last year there was just so much transition play. And the numbers back this up a little bit too that this is down last year. And and my theory that I voiced to him and, and he sort of walked me through was that Mizzou's not getting the steals on the perimeter now. There's no more Demoy Hodge breaking up a pass above the break 
You know, there's no, no more somebody there, getting handsy. There's, and, there's lunging and not getting, and then it leads to a great look for the other team. That's exactly because those exactly. are risky plays. And if you make them, you got to turn them into to steals, or else you're 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 out of position. Yeah, and and where Mizzou's getting its stops now are they're getting a lot more blocks this year, which is is good and an important part of this defense. But the blocks happen physically further back on the floor. They happen, you know, in the paint under the rim, et cetera, versus getting a steal when you're off and running at the perimeter. And so Mizzou, even when it's getting defensive stops, isn't generating maybe as easy or as quick of possessions. And and that's playing out too here that this team feels slower and more methodical. That can work in college basketball. There are teams that settle into their half-court offense and use 28 of the 30 seconds they're given and just grind out buckets. That works, especially in the college game. You'll see teams do that. But that hasn't been Mizzou's blueprint too much. That wasn't what worked for them last year. And that isn't what I think works with the personnel this year because besides Sean East and, and Tamar Bates at times, there aren't really great isolation scorers with what this team has. So it, it's just, it, it's a struggle to see what some of the blueprint is going forward. And though, again, you know, they scored fine, but also I, when I, when I look at the shot chart from the game, a lot of missed mid ranges for Missouri, uh, which is, you know, anyone who's been around basketball can tell you those are the shots that if you're going to take them, you darn well better make them. So it's a lot, still a lot of questions about what the path forward is. Yeah, they, you know, we talk a lot about the missing Kobe Brown and Demoy Hodge, and probably one of the things they miss most is Demoy Hodge's hands and steals. I mean, he created so many of those runouts and fast breaks, and just his greedy hands were were great at, at, at anticipation and then going. But the problem, and, and I go back to when Kansas played Mizzou the first time last season. If you get them leaning that way, and then you go use that momentum against them, you're 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 in a great spot offensively. So, um, look, I'm I'm here's where I'm at on this team. I put it in my chat this week at stltoday.com. I am, you can't look at what Dennis Gates is doing in recruiting and not be excited about this team's future. He's got one of the best classes in the country. He's already off recruiting in the next one. Um, and he's got talented freshmen. These freshmen can play and they're going to have growing pains. I think, look, it is so hard to hit every single year on a team that is bulk transfers. It is lottery tickets. You're going to hit the jackpot one year and you're going to bottom out the next and he's too good of a coach, and this team has too much talent to bottom out. But this is going to be a transition-type season. And some of these transfers, they're not going to work out. That's just reality. He's recruited a lot of transfers over two seasons. Some have been really good, and some of them just aren't going to be as good for what he wants to do. Over time, the young guys, the freshmen, are going to become sophomores, the new freshmen. This is going to be a, a, a grassroots-grown roster eventually. And he'll fill a spot or two with impact transfers. But the, the the high school recruiting is so encouraging. You can't just say, okay, this season's a wash. And they don't, nobody wants to do that. And this team has too much talent to just, but I'm, I'm totally to the point where I'm saying this is a transition year, play the young guys and hope to get better as the season goes along. But they just don't have, they don't have the upside that last year's team did. They put all the right pieces together. And then it was like, oh my God, this team can, somehow this team that had never played together before is a, is a cohesive team. I don't know that this team has that. Maybe it's too early to say that that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think the bragging rights game will be big and here's why. Mizzou's always up to play in this game. Conzo Martin would have his team up to play in this game. Dennis Gates has had his team up to play in this game. It has become a common theme that Missouri is more motivated for the bragging rights game plays better in it and at the end of the year Illinois can have a very much better season have a better seed in the NCAA tournament if Missouri is even in it and you would gladly at the end of the year trade Missouri's 
trade Illinois season with Missouri's in that you'd rather, you know, Illinois is oftentimes been a better team in this matchup, but it hasn't looked like it. And Brad Underwood loses his mind and his voice because he desperately wants his guys to care about this game as much as Missouri players do because Underwood cares about it. And he hears from Illinois fans about how, why is your team always the less fired up one on the court? So all of what I said about Missouri's ceiling and I do think Illinois is a better team. I don't Sometimes that doesn't matter in this game. And I'm curious to see, I'm curious to see what Mizzou comes out. Like I'm curious to see if they can just stop getting behind so much you know, they make these heroic runs to to erase deficits, but it's like at some point, like if you're having to erase a 20 and 19 point deficit every game, like, yeah, I give you some credit for doing it, but you shouldn't be in it. You shouldn't have to dig yourself such a hole before you play your best basketball. No, and, and it, if, if it's the freedom that comes with being blown out that allows them to all of a sudden go on a 10-point run and come back, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that comes out in this Illinois game when there's not as much to lose because Illinois is number 13 in the country. Mizzou is nowhere near the AP poll. Maybe, maybe that creates a dynamic that works. I, maybe that's what helps in that start against Kansas. I, I don't know. I don't know. We will see. All right, Ben, we got to close out with the quick three here. Okay, We're doing a, a little bit of a, a year-end recap. Uh, and then a prediction for the Cotton Bowl. So, but the first one, the first one uh, is, you know, we're both writers. We we write a lot. We read a lot. What is the best thing you've read this year? It can be Good Night Moon. It really can be. I promise. <laughs> My daughter's birth certificate. We got it in the mail, um, and it. I'm, I'm not being. I'm not being sarcastic. It was uh, not that she's she's quite real and she's alive and healthy and awesome. But seeing that was was pretty stunning. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's a cop right. out. That's a cop out answer. Let me think. I'm going to get back to you. Okay. All right. We'll we'll follow up on the in the new year. We'll give you we'll give you more time to think. That. More time to do some reading too. In sure. Case you, I need to play catch up. All right. The best thing you ate this year. Okay. Um, goodness gracious. Let's see here. I had we had the last meal we had out. There's a our favorite steakhouse not too far from our house. Um, we had a, we had our last night dinner out before we, our baby girl arrived in, in October and I had a filet and it was, uh, I think in part because we knew we weren't going to be going out for dinner for a while. It was, it was top notch. Well, that's good. This is right now the problem is we've recorded this right before dinner time. So yeah, now uh, I'm hungry. That was a, Thanks. Yeah, yeah. That was not a good time. Uh, <laughs> and since we, since we won't be talking on the podcast again before the cotton bowl, your prediction, Mizzou, Ohio state in Jerry's world in Arlington, Texas, what's going to go down. I think Missouri has, more motivated players for a lot of reasons. Brady Cook is going to be fired up for this game. Luther Burden is going to want to start his Heisman campaign. Cody Schrader will never take a game off. Ohio State, I, they have more guys playing committed than I think some folks realize that matters to some of them. They're not just going to completely mail it in, but they don't have their starting quarterback. And I think their their attention span may not be quite there. I think Missouri wins this game. I do think it'll be a competitive game. I hope it is. I think that'd be fun for the audience. This is one of the better bowl games. So I think Missouri wins maybe on a Harrison uh, Mevis field goal. And uh, I want to go back to your first question. I think the best thing I read on this is not a uh, this is not just uh, blowing smoke. One of the best one of the best things I read this year was your feature story on Cody Schrader. And and I, if folks haven't found that, they should go find it. The story of Cody Schrader before CBS told it, before ESPN told it, before I'm sure that uh, it's been everywhere now. But you went to Truman State and 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 kind of traced his footsteps, and it was 
soon after you had just gotten the job. Um, and I, th- I thought it really, in a season where Cody announced his presence, I thought you announced yours. So that is uh, that is that is that is high praise, and it's well deserved because it was a hell of a story, and I think it really it really got a lot of pe- more people talking about Cody. Well, I appreciate that. Your your Christmas bonus will be in the mail. Ah, thanks, man. Looking forward to it. <laughs> all right, all right. And, uh, hey, and a big thanks happy to, holidays, everybody. Yes, a big thanks to everyone for, for listening. Uh, if you're listening while you're traveling for the holidays, please drive carefully. Uh, both eyes on the road, both hands on the wheel, et cetera, et cetera. We also do appreciate it if you like, subscribe, rate, review. Do all the things to this podcast. Uh, we're always appreciative of there. Uh, we'll talk to you all. I think we'll still do a pod next week for the Cotton Bowl. Uh, it'll probably be recorded down in Dallas. Uh, so we'll we'll uh, we'll have some folks on to talk about the Cotton Bowl then, and everyone enjoy the uh, the holiday weekend. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.